Hello and welcome to China Business Brief, a podcast from the China Britain Business Council. I'm Andrew People. Well, China's political leaders have just completed their big annual meetings, known as the Two Sessions or Lianhui in Chinese. The meetings are important every year in that they demonstrate Beijing's priorities for the economy in the year ahead. But this year's event held even more significance than normal as the leadership finalized and passed its latest five-year plan for the country. Well, joining me today to discuss the outcomes from Lianhui is Torsten Weller. Torsten is our London-based China policy analyst. Well, Torsten, there was a lot of speculation ahead of the meetings about whether China would set a growth target for this year. What did they decide in the end? And what are the takeaways from that? What are the implications? The answer is that China will maintain an annual growth target, but not a long-term one. So in his government work report, Premier Li Keqiang announced that China's economy should grow 6% this year. However, the five-year plan itself doesn't mention any specific target and only says that the growth should be reasonable and that the growth target should be adjusted according to the uh, economic circumstances. What this means is that that the Chinese government is far more cautious about a general economic uh, recovery and doesn't want to be caught in a situation where it fails to meet its own target. What it also means, and what is probably more important, is that it doesn't want local officials to use the growth target as an excuse to not implement or execute important structural reforms. Because in the past, local officials have often used the growth target as an excuse to postpone reforms such as like welfare or land reform. A 6% growth target this year is pretty conservative, isn't it? Um, I mean, China's economy, like other economies around the world, is hopefully going to bounce back pretty strongly from a a weak performance last year. So 6% in many ways is something that should be, you know, pretty much a, a low baseline for the Chinese economy this year, don't you think? That's correct. So the IMF has predicted um, 8.1% growth for this year. So 6% is, is kind of a very achievable target. Well, there's been a lot of talk recently, too, about the need for China to become more reliant on consumption from its domestic consumers to drive economic growth, rather than the sort of reliance we've seen in the past on investment and exports. Did you see much in the five-year plan to encourage this shift in China's economy? Domestic consumption is a big issue in the 14 five-year plan, and it's also the core part of the so-called dual circulation strategy. The Chinese government wants disposable income to grow faster than GDP, which means that it wants the domestic consumption to become an ever-growing part of China's economic growth. At the same time, China faces daunting challenges to actually achieve that. In the past decades, China has mostly followed a workforce approach, which means that it has uh, focused on job creation instead of welfare programs. This appears to change now. So first, the five-year plan has replaced the job creation target with an unemployment target. Second, it has introduced reform which would open up China's restrictive hukou system to rural residents. In a country where modern social welfare is still like heavily restricted and limited mostly to urban residents, this is a big change. And it could also be seen as a first step towards a more comprehensive welfare reform and uh, an increasing welfare redistribution within China. There was also a great deal in the five-year plan about the government investing more in research and development, 
and especially in high-tech industries from artificial intelligence to quantum computing and so on and so forth. What do you make of Beijing's plans in these areas? And will this sort of top-down approach to investing in these sorts of industries work, do you think? I think we need to dif differentiate between the, the so-called seven pillars. So we have artificial intelligence, we have quantum technology, integrated circuits, neuroscience, health science, and space and maritime and polar exploration. So quantum technology and space, maritime and polar exploration are mostly top-down research projects. So they're funded by the state and uh, are driven like by, by state projects. All the other five uh, areas, they're kind of mixed. So you have government program like grants and, and projects and funding, but you also have a lot of private um, investment. And what China, uh, what the Chinese government wants is actually to make these areas more attractive for private and even foreign investment. To describe it as a, as a simple, like top-down approach, I think um, is somehow misleading. So what it wants is kind of wants to facilitate investment and progress in these areas and wants to support this through um, like an industrial policy, which kind of reduces reliance on foreign imports in these sectors. But to clarify that, because we have heard a lot about the decoupling and like a diverging technological um, ecosystems in China and in the West, what it actually means is, is more like something akin to like localization and less decoupling. So what would you say then are the key takeaways for British businesses from the Lianghui and the five-year plan? Where will the opportunities lie for UK companies on the basis of what the Chinese government has set out here? I think there are two opportunities. The first one is um, the rising consumer demand. So what we've seen last year is that consumer goods exports to China from the UK have increased, like despite an overall drop in, uh, um, in exports um, across, across the world. So um, if we exclude oil and gold exports, um, which do not really depend on, on market forces, we have seen a 2.3% increase in uh, UK exports um, to China. Growth in disposable income will, will likely benefit UK exporters and will um, lead to further growth in these export sectors. The second benefit is that is that China wants to open up its service sector. So this is a, another big um, item in the, in the 45 year plan that it says that it wants to remove non-tariff barriers in, in the service sectors, especially education, healthcare, and financial services. So this is a, another big opportunity for UK businesses. There's been quite a lot of developments in recent months in terms of the trade sort of architecture in Asia, in particular, with regard to the CPTPP, which is this collection of Asia Pacific countries that have come together in a, in a closer trade agreement. Also, we've seen China's recent uh, investment agreement with the European Union. What did the five-year plan have to say about this developing trade situation and, and China's ambitions here? So the five-year plan mostly repeats what has been said like over the last year basically so it has it repeats china's uh, ambition to join cptpp and it also um, highlights the uh, china's um, commitment to sign first of all and then ratify the comprehensive agreement on investment with the eu apart from that it mostly sticks to the 
traditional trade policy, um, including um, the Belt and Road Initiative. There was also quite a lot of discussion in the five-year plan about China's environmental targets. And there's been quite a lot of talk about that since they came out with some critics saying they seem to be relatively unambitious. I know you've got an interesting take on this, Torsten. So could you just explain your thinking on this area? So yeah, what the 14 five-year plan says is that it wants to increase energy efficiency and that it wants to modernize um, the overall energy system. So including the grid, renewable energy, um, coal firing plants. So it, it takes a very holistic approach. So uh, I understand that a lot of um, observers were um, a little bit disappointed and, and wanted to see clear emission targets. Um, I think this ignores two things. First of all, the 14 five year plan is a political document that needs to take into account a vast range of political actors within China. So from this perspective, including a, an emission target would be very difficult because it would pit polluting provinces against cleaner provinces, um, which are mostly in the South. So this is very difficult to uh, include in, a, in the 45 year plan. That doesn't mean that China doesn't have these targets. It's just probably won't include them in a, in a national strategy, but more in a, in a, in a sectorial um, strategy. The second point is that China already has the world's largest capacity in renewable energies. What it doesn't have is a, is a, is a grid that can absorb this energy. So it has to reform its grid, uh, its power grid, uh, before it can actually increase the capacity of renewable energy in China. And that is what we've seen and what, what, uh, what is actually a, a big part in the 1450 plan that it wants to kind of complete the ongoing reform of its power grid and wants to make it fit for a complete like energy transition, which we will likely see in the, in the second half of the, the next decade. So it's about joining up things behind the scenes, in particular this tricky issue of getting the power from where it's generated to where it's needed in China, a long-term issue that they've had. Torsten, thank you so much for joining us today.